the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. Um, as you know, every month I put out a 15 to 20 minute leadership teaching that's around business, uh, self-help, things like that. But we get lucky from time to time with some high level interviews. And uh, through a series of events, I was lucky enough to meet Alex Hormozzi, today's guest in person, and uh, didn't take much, but convinced him to get on the show today. Alex is the founder of Gym Launch Secrets. And if you're not in the fitness industry, you may not know who Alex is just yet, um, but if you are in the fitness industry, chances are on Facebook or Instagram, you've seen him or somebody wearing a mustache trying to look like him in a fun video with like a bunch of people doing cool things. So Alex, thanks for being on the show today, man. I do appreciate the, uh, the, the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I'm, I say this with every interview, of course, but I'm super excited for this conversation. I was going to get into it a second ago before we were recording, but um, I figured I wouldn't skip uh, skip into it. But like I'm from the fitness industry. I mean, you know, now I own a, a meal prep company called Super Fit Foods and we're transitioning into being like a, a, a food company in general. But that's besides the point. Prior to that, I was a GM at LA Fitness and um, a trainer for a couple small clubs. And so that was really what got me into all this stuff. So when I began to see your ads, I think three years ago. You were like, this guy's got to be full of, full well, of. Well, yeah, of course. But like at first, <laughs> but you stayed around, you know what I mean? Like, cause you know, there's, there's, you, you get on Instagram, especially when ads first started popping up on Instagram, you're like, this is just another, another guy. Right. But first of all, your mustache did it. I don't know that you can ever shave your mustache now. Um, unless you want to go incognito. <laughs> no one will recognize me. <laughs> yeah. Just start, you can start a whole brand new life. All you have to do is shave your mustache. Um, but yeah, man, just being in the fitness industry, uh, I'm envious of, of what you've done so far. Um, just from reading, I know that Gym Launch Secrets isn't a public company, but I've seen a couple of blogs and interviews. You guys over the past, I think, three years have done somewhere around, if not more than 50 million in revenue, right? We're, we're closing in, uh, we, I mean, it depends on how you're measuring it. So we did 37 million last year in the last 30 six months well, we did 95 million something like that so crazy and uh it's been a wild ride yeah yeah we're gonna get into that man because i'm even if there wasn't an audience man i'd love to just have this <laughs> um because you know i think we're probably a lot alike in that like i love the fitness industry and one of my core passions is like movement and training people and like a successful gym but there's like an I think God has created some of us with like too much ambition almost where it's like, I love the gym industry, but I could never just own one. Yeah. You own two, three, four, five, six, kind of like your story. And then you're like, well, this isn't enough either. I own like thousands without owning thousands. Right. Cause I don't want to, I want to manage 4,000 trainers, you know? So, and so this is kind of what you did, man. And I want to, I want to hear about the story um, before we get into that though. Like how'd you get into fitness? What was there like a, eureka moment or something that happened or was it just kind of like yeah i had always been really concerned with so for me i'm a very status driven person and so i always want to do the thing that i think is going to get me the most status at different chapters of my life like when i was younger it's it's 
how in shape you are. You know what I mean? And how many girls you can get. Like that's, that's kind of what status is when you're in middle school and high school. Yeah. Right. Um, and then probably how good you are at sports. I wasn't as good at sports. Um, I played three varsity sports, but I wouldn't have said I was a star on any of them. I just like started, but wasn't special. Um, but I felt like I was, I, I kind of, when I was a freshman, I had a teacher who saw me in the hallway and was like, son, you lift weights. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Um, I was like, I don't really know how, uh, and he's like, stay after school. I'll show you. And so he actually stayed after school, uh, for a whole year for two hours every day and showed me how to work out, um, which is really cool. And that's actually why we had, we're involved with after school all stars, the charity, um, why we donate a lot to them, um, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's charity. Uh, because I very directly had the same story of somebody staying after school caring and because of you know that one teacher's choice just kind of pouring to me now maybe you make an argument that i would have gotten to fitness anyways who knows but i just know that he did and because of that my life was kind of forever moved in the fork in that path so i got obsessed with fitness i was voted uh uh class meathead thinks he is um and most likely to own a chain of globo gyms <laughs> So like, I was just like, I was, I just went all in. I just like loved lifting yeah. and I had the, like the sports, like the varsity team coaches would ask me to come and be on the team because they saw me in the weight room. And I was like, as long as it doesn't interfere with me working out, I'll yeah. play. Sports. So like, I was, I like my senior year, I was, a, I was able to manage one because I went to an all guys school where you had to, you had to play three sports every season, every year. And so your senior year, you could take one season off. Um, and so I'd managed the hockey team so that I could lift more, like more, <laughs> um, anyways, all that to say, I got into fitness from there, went to school, thought I was going to go pre-med cause I was like, I like body stuff. Turned out I was like, this is horrible. I have no desire to do this. Switched to business, did two years of consulting, uh, space, cyber and intelligence for the military, totally different life than what I have now really didn't like it that much. Um, and then was really miserable and decided to. On a whim, move to California, leave everything. Um, where was everything? Like, where was? Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm from. I'm from Baltimore. So I'm from Baltimore. Went to school in Tennessee. Uh, a school called uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville. Um, went back, did two years. Baltimore, D.C. areas, tons of government contracting for defense and whatnot, because D.C. and Baltimore are 45 minutes away. Um, and then uh, I saved up $60,000 while I was a consultant. So I was 23, I had that saved and then moved out to the uh, West Coast, mailed a bunch of uh, gym owners to see if I could shadow them because I knew from consulting that the best way to learn is to learn from experts. One of the guys got back to me. His name was Seven Figure Sam. He was a gym coach. And uh, Seven Figure Sam ended up, he, he went from Fitness Concepts, which is the brand that he had at the time. And then after he and I met, uh, shortly thereafter, he started the camp, which now has 100 locations. Um, and so uh, I met him and we discovered Facebook advertising. Actually, I went to an event and then was like, hey man, you should check this out. Um, but uh, anyways, all that to say from there, uh, you know, I went and started my, my first gym and then opened it up five more after that. Um, it, it sounds much rosier than it was. There was lots of yeah, 100%. trials and tribulations. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's always <laughs> like, cause I'm a storyteller not by choice, but because I don't know, I don't know how small talk really works that well, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's like these, these podcasts, that's why I kind of like the Tim Ferriss and the Joe Rogan. Like I don't personally have that much time. Yeah. And I'm sure that you don't either. 
And I don't think I'm as interesting as Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss enough to be like, hey, Alex, you want to talk for three hours? Um, <laughs> but that would oftentimes do it more justice. When people are like, Jared, how, how, like, what's the story for Superfit? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? Like, how much time do you have, you know? You started it, and it started working, and here we are. Yeah, you know, uh, I was super successful. Like, there was yeah. a <laughs> You know, and I don't go into the, the kitchen floods and the hurricane destroying our kid. You know, it's just like, I'll, I'll leave that for someone who's got more time. And um, maybe for the person who wants to start a meal prep business, I'll tell them those stories. Yeah. But uh, so the, so gym launch, and then I read a little bit um, about just really from the website, you met your wife, like yep. before gym launch, but after the gyms. Like, yeah, so I was so I was right at this kind of transition point in my life. Um, I had six gyms at the time. Actually, no, I had five gyms when I met her. I had five gyms at the time, and I was like, kind of looking for something more. You know, I, I felt like they were making money. They weren't making as much as I wanted, but they were making money. And I, more importantly, wasn't really doing much. And so I kind of had this crisis of meaning when I was like 26. I was like, what do I do with my life? You know what I mean? I I was drinking like half a bottle of Johnny Walk walker every day just not because i was like an alcoholic but because i was bored yeah um and it's just like she was like this isn't healthy i was like i've got nothing else to do <laughs> and so anyways i uh i went and i i went to this internet marketing summit i saw a guy talk russell brunson he's click funnels yeah. if anybody knows who he is um he talked about internet marketing i was like i gotta get into this stuff um and so then i i i called up and joined his his inner circle group of, you know, his coaching group. And I had no business being in that group. Everyone in the group was an internet marketer. I was a gym owner. It had, it, I, I, I should not have been sold into the group. I'll just put it that way. Um, but as soon as I met him, he was like, dude, you shouldn't be owning gyms. You should be teaching people to run gyms if you're doing them the way you are. And so that was right after um, I had met him is when I met Layla. I met her two months, two, six weeks after that happened. Um, and then he said, Hey, you should speak at my event. And so this is the first time that someone like externally had kind of like recognized that what I had done was pretty cool. Cause we opened all of our, all of our facilities at full capacity on the first day, which was, I thought that pre-sales were like a normal thing. Cause I saw big box gyms do it all the time. I just figured that they were all at full capacity when they opened, but that wasn't the case. I opened all my gyms full and I was like, well, duh, it makes more sense to open them full. than yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, um, so anyways, um, uh, uh, Russell um, said that that was really cool. I spoke at his event and then I had, I've never still to this day been more bum rushed in my whole life. I had, I had a group of people for two days around me, like three rows deep, like hands clawing toward. It was like, it was wild. I'd never had anything like that in my whole life. And I just, I just presented what we did. I had no, nothing to sell. I was not a consultant. I was just like, this is how we do it. And I just like literally went step by step. I was like, here's the ads, here's the offer. Here's the script. Here's, I held nothing back. And then um, finally, I, had, I literally had a list of 100 names of people who were like, call me with something to sell me. And I was like, okay. And one guy gave me his credit card at the event and said, charge me $5,000. Tell me what I get later. And I was like, what? And so I called the guy up and I was later after the event. I was like, are you sure? Because like, I don't know. And he was like, dude, run it. Tell me what I get later. And I was like, okay. And so I ran it. And he's like, well, what do I get? <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know, but it'll, I'll make you more than $5,000. And he was like, fair enough. And so um, it turned out, and this is just like by stroke of luck, 
he was opening a gym. And so I was like, perfect. I'll just open your gym up to full capacity. Like I opened my own up. Like, this is great. And again, by stroke of chance, there were two other people that had reached out through my network who were literally within 30 minutes of that gym. And I was in California and this gym was in like Virginia. So like, all these gyms in a tiny market just by totally different circumstances reached out to me and were like, can you help us do this? And so I said, sure. And so um, I launched three gyms in uh, two months and uh, I sold, God, I mean, I, I know that at his particular gym, we sold 191 people in 21 days or 19 days. It was either, I think it was 19 days. Um, and it was, I mean, those were about $500 pop. And so, I made $100,000 in three weeks and I didn't have a gym to run. I had no employees. It was literally just me selling at a little desk with a fold-out table, just using my words and getting people to open up their wallets. And I was like, this is a way cooler gig than what I was doing before. <laughs> and so um, I flew back and Layla and I had just met and I told her that I wanted to start this thing called Gym Launch. And I was like, well, and I was like, you need to come with me. And she was like, I just met you like two weeks ago. Like I'm not traveling to some city that I don't know and leaving my job. And I was like, you'll see. <laughs> and so I went there, we launched the gyms. I came back and I still had the contracts. I hadn't processed them yet because I was always really lazy about that stuff. I would just like make the sale, get the credit card. Then I would just like move on with my life and get the next person. And so I had this stack of contracts that was like, probably two phone books. Like it was just stack of contracts. And I looked at it, I was like, each one of these is a $500 bill. And she was like, what? And so she and I processed them together when I got back home and she look, like, looked at me and she was like, what are you doing again? Cause she saw us process like a hundred thousand or something. And in like 45 minutes, she's like, what? She's like, and then she was like, is it legal? And I was like, yes, it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't another like blow movie. You know? yeah, right. And so after that, she called her dad and she got and talked to her friends. And so she decided to go for it. She quit her personal training. She had 35 or 40 clients. So she was a full-time PT, had a really good business going and then and joined me. And so then we started flying around launching gyms, um, which was wild and horrible. You know, um, I could go into the the many horrors of I had my processing shut down because I, I sold and exited my gyms at, I was doing this while I still had my gyms. Yeah. So it was just insane. What we, like the amount of stuff that I was trying to do, I was spread super thin. My processing got shut down while I was trying to launch a gym. So I was collecting contracts that I couldn't process and you can't sell your way out of a problem if you can't process money. Yeah. So it's just like this horrendous deal. I went all the way down to a thousand dollars, my bank account after I sold all my gyms and one of the last partner that I had took all the money from the sales. So I had the six gyms, took all the money, and then it was gone. And so it was like three and a half years of my life was erased because all the money that I got from the sale was taken and then sent to an account offshore. And then they filed bankruptcy in the US. And so, and so I was like, shit. <laughs> but I think it's cool because what it shows you is that like no one can steal your skills. You know what I mean? Like they can steal your assets, but they can't steal who you are. And yeah, so it's yeah. like I still had the skills that had built those gyms. And so... I was able to use that same skill set into the gym launch kind of opportunity vehicle and it obviously worked better. And then after that, we scaled it to eight guys. We're doing eight gyms every month doing launches. We did that for about six months. So we, we launched all in, I think 33 gyms. And then, so we had that process just really dialed. Um, but there was huge issues. There was the overhead was insane. It was flights, hotel, uh, um, per diem for food, ad spend every day, 
rental car, gas, like all of that was covered. And I still had to make profit plus the marketing. So it was just like, and the commissions, like it was just thirst. So, and I remember there was this turning point where I just lost everything. And because, you know, being the brilliant entrepreneur that I am, I lost everything. And then I had already committed to six gyms. We we're going to launch all of them on the same month. So I got rid of my gyms and I was like, well, I had six, so we should do at least six to start. Right. It just made no sense. And so she got all of her friends from high school to quit their jobs to start selling for us. <laughs> so yeah, just a nightmare. And I, I met her and while this happened, while I lose everything, I get in a head on DUI collision. My mother goes to the hospital. Right. Um, and my processing is shut down within 30 days, all of them. And it's Christmas Eve when I find out that the processing, that, that my processing got shut down because that was what was going to get me out of this mess. We did, we did another launch, like a hundred grand, 120,000 in sales. So I was like, cool. We lost the gym, all my gyms and all that money. Let's do a big launch. We did it. And then I couldn't get any of the money. And I still owed the salesman $22,000 in commissions. And I had $23,000 left. And so I paid him his 22 and I had a thousand dollars left. And Christmas Eve was when I found out that I wasn't going to get the money. And on the 26th was when we had six campaigns kicking off. And so I had a thousand dollars left. I still had my Amex credit card. I look at Layla and I was like, I just want you to know this could go horribly wrong. And we were, we were going to, I was going to put on the card 3,300 a day uh, in total cost between hotels, airfare, everything. It doesn't even include commissions just what I was going to be putting on this card. And I had a thousand dollars left. And so I was like, we somehow have to make, you know, I was like, the math should work. Right. I was like, if we do six launches, we should make at least a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And so we ended up making like 180,000. Um, but still I didn't have my processing turned on. So I got $180,000 of contracts that I couldn't process the last week of January when this happened. Um, I got my first processor turned back on, but they started me at $50,000. So even I got it turned on, but it was per month, which means I could run 50. And then the beginning of the next month, I could run 50. But then it, and after that happened, I got another one turned on for another 50, ran that 50. And then like, it was just this constant turn. And then I feel like I finally was about to get around the corner. And then it turned out that there was going to be all these backouts because all the, we would sell these contracts for the gyms, but we didn't control the fulfillment. And so these guys were fundamentally struggling, weren't good at running a gym. And so these guys would go from 70 clients to 270 clients in three weeks. They had no infrastructure. They had no way. And they didn't know how to, to, no. what to do with them. Yeah. No, no context. And so I had two gym owners stand up in the middle of their gyms for a full day, tell everyone to refund and go home. They're like, I just don't want to deal with this. Just refund to go home. And it was, it was our money. And I already paid for the hotels, the flights. Everything was done. The launch was over, right? And so this is like refunds coming from like a month before. Yeah. Wow. And so then what happened was that our refund rate was like 30% insane, right? Which is like for anybody who has context, like that's, that's not even, like, it's like seven times the average, like it's insane, right? And so the only way for me to pay for the refunds, because the margins were slim, you know what I mean? We were doing about $280,000, $300,000 a month, but we're running probably 20% margins. I mean, it was not super high, right? And so the only way for me to have, because 35% was getting refunded. So that was my whole margin. So I had more, more refunds than I had margin. Yeah. And so in order for me to pay for the $100,000 in refunds that I had had from the month before, I had to sell 400,000 the next month. But then the next month after that, I would have to sell 150. And so, right. 
And so I remember there was a point where I felt like I couldn't breathe because I was like, how am I going to get out of this? Right? Like I got out of, like I sold my gyms. I lost everything. Now I did this thing. And now this thing is strangling me every day. And so I started gym launch. Um, that this wasn't actually for that purpose. Um, Layla was, uh, she, she started doing weight loss online. She had a little online business that she took her PT clients into and she kept a certain amount of them. And I was like, listen, let's get out of the gym business. We know how to do fitness sales. Let's just sell fitness straight. We can control the whole thing. We don't have to rely on anyone. We started doing a thousand bucks a day selling online training, just like over the phone. And I was like, this could work. And so I, uh, I, I was like, cool, we got eight sales guys. We can bring them in. We'll do 8,000 a day. And it's all info. So I was like, so it's all margin. They can stay at home. They don't have to leave their wives. Great. And so I had eight gyms that were supposed to launch next month. And so I called them up, the first guy. And um, I was like, hey, man, just letting you know, we're not doing this anymore. We're going another direction. You know, wish you the best. And he was like, dude, we need this. Like, I'm going to go under. I, like, I'm maxed on my credit cards. I've, I've refied my house, like, to save this business. Like, I need this. We went back and forth and finally I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. I was like, but I'm not flying out there to save your ass if you can't sell. And he was like, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. And he was like, how much? And I remember at this point, I tried to pick the most expensive number I could possibly think of, um, which to show you where I was at was $6,000. And I was like, dude, this thing is literally made. I was like, every month I can pull a hundred grand out of a gym. Like whenever I want, if you have this skill, like this thing works. I was like, it's okay. And so the next call, called the next guy, same conversation. He's like, how much? And I was like, eight grand. He was like, okay. Next conversation, how much? I was like, 10 grand. He was like, okay. And by the end of the day, I did $60,000 in sales. Um, and it was all air, right? It was all, it was all information. And I was like, holy crap. So I looked at Layla and I was like, babe, we're like, we were just doing it wrong, right? And so for me, when I look back on this, it's kind of interesting because I think about, I had the same skill sets of running a chain of gyms, running a done for you kind of consulting agency, sales agency, whatever. And then having a consulting business where I taught other people how to fish for themselves. And it's just interesting how you can have different opportunity vehicles, different monetization structures around the same skill set, and how disproportionately profitable they can be based on the psychology of the prospect and also just like how value is being delivered. Because like people value education. That's why the education business of colleges is ridiculous, right? I mean, people want to become better to a certain degree. And so like if you can, if you have a process of providing value, people will pay more for it. And it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's, I mean, Harvard has people literally hand them a billion dollars. So, you know, there's value in it. Um, but anywho, uh, we started doing that. And then, um, from that point, you know, it's been 3,500 gyms later, uh, we started a cell phone company that the gyms sell called prestige labs. And so now, you know, we've been in 20 countries and, all sorts of good stuff that all happened without any, uh, any difficulty and yeah, no, struggles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no sleepless nights, man. Yeah. Um, I had no idea. Of course, there's no way for me to know. Um, you do, I mean, you do a pretty good job on your Instagram of talking about some of this stuff, but you're not an Instagram influencer, you know? So, um, <laughs> the whole world wouldn't know everything about Alex Formosi from your page. Um, <laughs> just probably your aesthetically pleasing mustache. Thank you. But um, yeah, man, one of the next questions, I wanted to talk about some obstacles, but bro, we, we covered them. And if it makes you feel any better, <clears throat> in my own way, I've been there. This episode is not about me, but I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Uh, February 1st, 2017. Um, and I can really only tell you so much because we went to litigation over this and all that fun stuff. I walked out of yoga class with, with my marketing staff. We did like a, it's a group thing. 
and I check the system to see, cause we bill all of our clients on Thursday and it deposits on Friday, um, except for new clients, but the subscription clients get billed on Thursday okay. and there wasn't anything in the account. And, well, there was remain like left, you know, but there wasn't the big draft. It was supposed to be about 40 K back then. Um, and nothing was in there. And then I call our, our web guys. They're not even answering long story short. They, our server booted us because of some stuff that my other web guys did. And I'm talking about like all weekend long, we're calling think about back then we had 600 clients, you know, subscription based clients, Jeez. just calling, trying to get numbers. We lost 8% of our business that week. Cause they just didn't call us <laughs> with a credit card. We still made them all food. No, like we lost after we ended up getting some money back from making the product. We ended up losing like 37 grand in cash that week. Um, had to get a new credit card processor, which was a pain in the butt. Processing rates were through the roof. Dude, I, in my own way, like when you're talking, I'm like, I actually know what you mean. Like most people probably have no idea, you know? So golly. And then having to be like, Ooh, the 31st I'll take this. And then on the first I'll take this and then I'll get another processor and just like, <laughs> um, and you're right, man. Cause you know, if we're being honest, there are, there's a, there's a lot of hard work that goes into, building something that you've built. There's a bit of luck that goes into that. And I think luck is, it grows in relation to how hard we work, but there's some people out there in business that are just, you're like, how did he, or like, how did she build this? And oftentimes I wonder like, how did I build that? You know, but yeah. never at all comes crashing down. Like you mentioned when your old partner took all the money and you just rebuilt it. Like that shows you like, this is business acumen. This is skill. Like no one can take these skills from me. It's like tomorrow, I'll start over tomorrow if I have to, because yeah. it's, it's like the love of the game. You know what I mean? So um, I love that about that story, man. It's like, t take whatever you want. I'll rebuild it, you know? Yeah. Um, my, uh, not to, not to segue, but just like my, my dad's a uh, first generation immigrant. And um, so he, he was born in Iran. And so he was alive during the revolution uh, when the Shah got kicked out and, the mullahs took over. Um, and so he saw, and they were, they were in higher, his dad worked for the government. So his dad was aligned with the shy. He was in, you know, he was like the chief of fishing engineering or something, whatever. But point is, is that everyone who was connected to the shah was then automatically a target. So anyone who was loyal to the shah got, got attacked. And so he had everything taken away from him. So your lands, your bank account, everything, and you got put in jail. Like, so we're like, that's real for him. It doesn't feel real in the United States kind of does a little bit more now. Right. Um, about like how, how opposing sides can be, but I mean, that was like real stuff. And so he was always very big on uh, education. He just understood it as formal education. Cause that's what got him out of the country. And so he was so super hard on that. Um, I just think it's education. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think the formal education that I had, it's really contributed very much to where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, but I think education in general is this is the only thing. And that's what he was saying. He's like, I started here with nothing, but because I had the skills and you can provide value. So anyways, just a fun, fun anecdote. Yeah, no, that brings value. I think, um, I think that adds a lot of value too to like your upbringing. It's like when you look at successful entrepreneurs, usually there's so much, it's like those pictures you see on Instagram of like the iceberg yeah, right. the water, and then like the real iceberg, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, this is actually Alex Hermosi. And then like, this is what people think. Like just a mustache. And I need to do that to my Instagram. I need to. There you go. Right. Um, 
Man, that's, that's nuts, dude. So you mentioned that you have, and I've seen Prestige Labs, and I saw a while ago um, meal prep. Did that, yeah. did you guys phase out of that? or Yeah, yeah. Um, we didn't phase out of it, but it's not, <clears throat> it's being candid with you, uh, the, the gross margin on food compared to the gross margin on supplements and, uh, and education and consulting is uh, totally different. It pales in comparison. And so it was more when we originally made it, the, I, had, I had different, my expectations of what I thought was possible were wildly different than what was. And I knew the amount of effort that it was going to take to like really grow that. And I didn't have the bandwidth. I've made a million mistakes. That was one of them. Um, and so right now it kind of functions as like, if the gyms want it, like if I told, so right now we deliver meals to their door, cross country, next day air with ice, USDA regulated uh, for 10 bucks, which, you know, the margins in the business, like next day air shipping with ice packs, uh, their freezer seal, the whole thing. Right. Um, there's nothing there. there. I mean, you're talking, you're talking, you're not talking dollars, you're talking dimes. Right. Um, and so for us, it's now more like, this is something that you can offer your clients if you want to help them. Like it's not going to be a massive moneymaker. It's more just like, if you want to provide more value and help your clients get better results. Uh, whereas supplements. And the thing is, is that because of where I, most gym owners meet me, they're meeting me because they're trying to make more money. Just realistically they are. And so, of the systems we provide, supplement sales, I can add an extra $10,000 someone's bottom line in a month, right? Yeah. That. They can just use the system, they can bolt it onto their existing memberships and it works great. Uh, they can change their, their marketing process, their sales process, they can sell the packages and bundles that we already know, and they'll make way more money. Oh yeah. But food, it, it didn't kind of fall in that bucket. Um, and I actually thought that way more people would buy food than buy supplements. Um, but that's actually not the case. And so, or at least in that's our experience in our experience. So yeah. that was an interesting finding. And so right now it's a very small percentage of the business. Technically it falls under prestige labs, which is the physical products brand. Um, but I think it's responsible for maybe five to 10% of the revenue. It's not very yeah. And I, I was, I was so interested cause like, I remember when you were launching it and I mean, we, there's what, a couple hundred million people in America. So when people open a meal prep company, I'm, I'm like, awesome. Like, you know, like, there's a lot of food. A lot of people eat a lot of food. There's so many people to go around. Yeah, there's a McDonald's every 400 feet. You know what I mean? So we'll be fine. Um, and I looked at the packaging, and you guys had great packaging and everything, and then I, I didn't see much, and I was like, what? What happened to Prestige? So, no. um, so that's cool. I'm, you know, it, And it is also glad that you know a little bit about what it's like to run a meal prep company. Um, yeah. It's a, it, it's a different battle. It's in a, I think, like you mentioned, you would think people would want food more than supplements but supplements are sexier and they're more quick fixy, even though we know that's not the case. Right. Um, so I, I envy supplement business owners. <laughs> and all my word of envy for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it just makes the gym owners more money. It makes it just like, at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in, in, in I don't want to create desire. I want to channel desire, right? Yeah. Desire is already there. And so I just want to channel it in the ways that will provide more, the most perceived value to the end user. Right. And so supplements for many of them has like, there's four, you know, four components of value, which is what well, I, I won't get into it, but anyways, yes. What is it? What are the four? All components? right. So if you're looking at value, there's the top side of the equation, which is what someone wants. And then the bottom, which is what they have to do to get it. Right. And so you've got on the bottom side, the time that's going to take the delay between when they make the decision, when they get the result and then the effort and sacrifice. Right. So those are both right on the top side. You have uh, the dream outcome 
that they're going to get and then the perceived likelihood of achievement, right? And so to give two, two examples, right? Uh, let's say you've got um, being happy and being like calm and whatever, right? Um, that's the kind of like the dream outcome. But there's two different vehicles that we'll look at. So let's say yoga, right? Is something that helps you get calm, feel better, less anxiety, et cetera, right? And so top side, that's the dream. Likelihood of achieving it, right? Yoga slash meditation. I'll say meditation is a little easier. So, you know, likelihood of you achieving that state, I don't know. Some people can't stick to things. Some people aren't consistent. They can't manage the brain, whatever. And then how long is it going to take for me to get chill uh, immediately? 15 to 30 minutes, maybe, right? Uh, if I'm feeling tense. And then what, how long will it take for me to get the long-term result? Even longer, right? And then what's the sacrifice that I have to do? There's the obvious time sacrifice, but then I have to feel like I'm stupid. I feel like I'm ADD. I can't sit still. I have to sit in this weird position. Like there's all that, right? Which is why there's no billion dollar meditation company, right? On the flip side, same outcome, lower anxiety, feel better, et cetera, right? But let's look at Xanax, right? That's the dream. What's my perceived likelihood of achievement? 100%. What's the bottom side of the equation? So what's the time? immediate as soon as I swallow it. Right. And then what's my, uh, what's my sacrifice? Nothing. I just uh, literally the effort is that I swallow the pill. And so you can increase value, not necessarily by changing the dream outcome, but by changing the other aspects of the equation. So if we're looking at, uh, I'll go with this, if you're good with it. Um, let's look at supplements now compared to fitness training, right? So you and I were both in the fitness services part, like selling personal training. Right. And so, and this is the reason why you, people buy supplements on Amazon with a one click and you have to sit down and arm wrestle someone for an hour and a half to sell them a PT package for 2,500 bucks, right? Because you only have one of the four value pieces of the equation on your side with fitness, which is you can get the dream body. You can be confident. You can feel amazing. Like the, that's the dream outcome. What's my perceived likelihood of success? Very low. People signing up, to a certain degree, don't believe it's even going to happen. They're really buying the chance that it could happen, right? On the bottom side of the equation, what's my time commitment? Three days a week, right? To and from, I got to like, and then I have all the time that I've got to eat, prep, blah, 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 blah. And then the effort, right? Which is grocery shopping, changing the way I eat, being sore, not being able to eat with my family, waking up early from this point until the end of time, right? Like all of this stuff. And so it's like, there's, it's honestly a miracle that we can even make money right? Considering the value proposition we're providing. Now, if you take again, the same dream outcome of looking good, feeling good, confidence, sexy body, right? And take supplements, right? A fat burner, protein, whatever, right? What's my perceived likelihood of achieving it? It's more or less the same, but you have the benefit of the fact that you can immediately take it, right? What's the time? Immediate, right? And then what's the, uh, what's the effort that's required? Virtually nothing. And so that's why supplements, there's more money's made in supplements than there's, than there is in all health clubs put together. Same outcome, different value prop. And so those are kind of the four, the four big ones when we're looking at value. And so if you're looking at like offers and like, I mean, I could give a million examples of like, you know, look at cool sculpting, right? Cool sculpting is the other extreme, right? Likely of achievement, hundred percent time, basically immediate. There is effort and sacrifice because you, you're going to be sore. You're going to have some sort of recovery process. But because it's 100% guaranteed and there's no actual, like, like it's immediate, right? Yeah, as soon as right. I get the surgery, right? And the, and the value props the same. And that's why they can sell a surgery for $10,000 and personal trainers have to sell six months of their life for 2500 bucks. Yeah.
Thanks for taking us back to business school, Alex. Sorry. It's <laughs> all good, man. I think that's what the audience comes here for. So hopefully they were taking notes. Um, so what, what's the future look like at Prestige Labs and at Gym Launch Secrets? Any, any changes or is it let's drive forward, do more with more? What's that look like? It's a really good question because I've had a lot of time to think about it. And so for us, especially with COVID, we've had a lot of time to like reflect on who we are as a company, right? And one of the conclusions that we made is that we're loyal to gym owners, not gyms. And so um, what that means is like we have a very specific avatar that we know that we can help. And so we will do everything we can to help that specific avatar and navigate whatever, whatever gets thrown their way. So that means that during COVID, they have to do partially online. Then that's what we're going to provide solutions for. And when they come back, we're going to have reopening plans to get them, you know, back, back in, back and ready and, and doing all that stuff. But fundamentally, I think a lot of people have a hard time with clients, let's say, especially in like a, a coaching, consulting, whatever you want to say, business um, leaving. And I don't really have that perspective because I see it as just kind of graduating. You know, like we have a specific, like I don't help people get from seven to eight figures. I can, we've done it many times, but it's not what my core business is right within the context of gym launch. Right. And so, um, we just help gyms go from six to seven figures, right? That's what we do. And right. so we just know what that game plan looks like. We know what the price points have to be. We know what your churn needs to look like. We know how to fix the churn. We know how to set up the schedules. We know what exercises are going to use the least amount of space. So you can have the most people per square footage. We know what classes to add at what time. Like we've just done this. Like we just understand the playbook. And so for gym launch to go from, you know, 30 to a hundred, um, you know, million just in, in, just in those two companies, the, my belief, and this could be a limiting belief, but I believe that we'd have to go international beyond English speaking. So right now we're in the UK, um, Ireland, Australia, and Canada. But I think that we would have to make a major push to go maybe Asia or South America. Um, because right now they're you know five years behind us. And so now obviously that takes resources, that takes legal efforts. There's different compliance laws and all that kind of stuff. But I think that that would be, that's where I think gym launch will, because we've served a lot of the gyms in the United States. There's obviously more and shoot 35% went out of business over the last, uh, you know, that means that there's going to be some that are going to sprout back up when gyms are able to be reopened. Um, I do think the market overall will suffer for a long period of time. And I don't know if it'll ever recover um, to be really candid with you, because I think that the demand and the supply in the market both shrink. So I think a lot of people found alternatives for online um, that many will stick with. And I think that um, there are definitely some people who want to go back to the gym, which is great. Um, but I do think that a percentage of people that is greater than zero who were at the gym will not come back to the gym. And so I think that because of that, the demand goes down. And so the lowest, you know, lowest operators will be knocked out, which they were. Um, and most of them already have been. Um, the people who are on now, like I think they're kind of in the, terrible part of just being barely alive. Um, and then they will start coming back up. Um, the ones who were able to pivot online, uh, were able to start like a second, secondary revenue stream, which is higher profit margin. So anyways, I won't talk too much about the gym business, but, um, that's, that's kind of where we're doing. We obviously have a strong U S presence and we just know what the playbook is. And so we just can just execute it like pretty much perfection. International. Um, you have what? Yeah, that's pretty elaborate. So, how do you tap into that? Do you Asia? Interesting. So this is what I've had to deal with as an entrepreneur is that like my shortcoming, why I've been stuck at, I made a podcast called why I've been stuck at $30 million a year for the last three years. 
and it's had, I mean, we did 37 last year, but it's been in that range, right? Um, and it's because I've been looking for hows, not whos. And so there's a person who knows all that. And so rather than try and figure it out, I think that I just need to find those people. Um, and that's really the secret to, at least for me, it's been my shortcoming is that I, I'm very much like a violence is the answer, do all the work, put the team on your back, that kind of thing. Um, and I think that's an element of control and, you know, whatever things that I have on my own demons to deal with. But I think it's, it's taken me admitting openly that I was stuck at that level for three years um, to admit that that's been the problem is that I haven't had, you know, if you think about entrepreneurship in the beginning, hopefully this fits within business and leadership. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, you, you let go of doing, right? And then you're managing people. And then you let go of managing and then you're just leading and then you let go of leading and you're really just thinking. Right. But the last piece that I haven't, not the last piece, I'm sure there's pieces about this, right. But the, at the current, my current level, um, that I had to, I had to let go of the thinking. I had to find people who came batteries included with the roadmap, the blueprint of how to run this play. Right. So there is a person who knows exactly how to start a South American office and translate everything and get the legal and all, all of that stuff. There is, that guy exists. I just have to find him, right? Same thing with Asian. That guy exists or girl. I just have to find him. Yeah. And so I've done, I've pretty much been stuck at, I've outsourced the, the bottom three, but I still did the majority of the big decision-making and kind of like leading the strategy. But I need someone who knows the strategy and has done the strategy. Um, and so we've like, in my mind, I've stopped hiring for potential and I now hire for experience. And so I want someone who's already won an Olympic gold, not someone who can run fast. That's really good, man. That brings me to my next um, very strong segue into leadership, man. So when we talk about leadership, <clears throat> Alex, what do you think is like the number one, if not maybe the top three characteristics of the ideal leader in your opinion? Well, I can tell you that they have stats on what makes people hyper successful. So I don't know about if that's leadership, but I, I can... Let me say that first and then I'll, I'll answer the actual question. Uh, <laughs> so there's three traits that people who are hyper successful will have. And I think it's the depth and the extent to which you have these traits that dictates how much success you experience. One is they have a superiority complex. They think that they're better than everyone. Second, they have massive insecurity that they feel like they'll never be good enough. And then third, they have impulse control. <laughs> Super encouraging, Alex. Yeah. So, I mean, like just being really real. So they believe they, they, they can and should accomplish. They want the world. They believe they'll never be good enough, which is why they have growth orientation and consistently want to improve themselves. Right. And are consistently dissatisfied. And then they have impulse control, which means that they can forego current pleasure for future. And that's fundamentally the three things. And so the people who have like, and I think it's just, it's, there's levels to that. Like, how deeply insecure are you? How crazy is your ambition? And then how hardcore is your impulse control? And so if you look at all three of those things, the extent to which you can magnify each of those three traits ultimately will propel you further and faster in that direction. Mm. So that's just from a character trait standpoint. From a leadership, um, three successful, you know, three traits of great leaders. Um, gosh, Layla's really the one who runs all the leadership in our company. And so I feel like she would be perfect for this. Layla like them. What are three? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. What would Layla say to this? To this? To this question? Um, I think leaders are phenomenal listeners. Actually, I'll, I'll say this: communicators in general. 
So, I mean, fundamentally at the highest levels, organizing people is just communicating, right? And so that's clarity in vision, but it's also clarity in expectations, clarity in roles and division of labor, clarity in priorities. There's just lots of things that have to be communicated. And even just the cadence of communication, you know, weekly one-on-ones, weekly meetings, monthly goals, like all that type of stuff is kind of the operation side, but it's the stuff that really builds and glues the business. So communication is probably number one. Um, Number two is, I think the listening is kind of the empathy side of, of hearing, of hearing what's going on below the surface, which then I guess you could put that still into communication, but it's more on the, on the inbound communication side. So one is outbound communicating, the other is inbound receiving, um, the, the communication from people. So listening for what's not there. Um, I think I would just, I'm going to leave it at those two because I don't want to come up with a third one for no reason. So those are probably the big two. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. Um, and kind of wrapping up here, man, with a, with a couple quick questions, what, what, what advice would you give your 20 year old self now knowing everything that you know, would you change anything? No, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't actually give myself any advice because I think you do that if you regret where you're at and I don't regret where I'm at because I wouldn't want to change where I'm at. I like where I'm at. You know what I mean? Do I, do I think I could be better? Yes. But I think that fundamentally we experience the same satisfaction and dissatisfaction at all points in our life. There are aspects of who I am that I'm dissatisfied with. And there are aspects of what I've done that I am satisfied with. And I think that when we hit a hundred million or when we hit a billion dollars, whatever it is, I think that there will be aspects of who I am that I'm satisfied with. And there'll be aspects that I'm dissatisfied with. And when I die, I'll die somewhat dissatisfied and somewhat satisfied. And so I don't think that'll really change. Um, And so I think in some ways, if you can embrace that, that's very freeing because you know that, well, if you're going to be satisfied and dissatisfied at no at all points, then you might as well just do whatever you wanted to do anyways. That's really valuable. I appreciate your self-awareness. That is rare in the fitness industry. I'm sure that you know that too. <laughs> um, what about your 10 year older self? What do you think he would tell you today? Um, man, I've, so I've been in a very deep contemplative place probably since COVID started. Um, partially because there's, there's fewer human, you know, human interactions, but also because I got to really see the entire industry go through a very stressful time. Um, and so I feel like I've done a lot of that reflecting personally. And it's just, I think it's just always finding the deficits, right? Like it's always my fault. Like the reason I'm not a billionaire is because I don't know how to do that. yet. So like right now, everyone has, has an ignorance tax. Everybody here is paying a billion dollars a year, not knowing how to make a billion dollars a year in tax, that life is taxing you, right? From what you should be making. And so like that, that keeps me up at night. Um, I mean, the generic thing that I would, my first thought when you asked was like, Hey, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, but like, I don't even know if I would end up actually saying that to myself. Cause when you asked me what I would tell myself earlier, I probably wouldn't have said that probably just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> you know? It's like, as long as, as long as you don't give up the hunger, I think you'll like, all right. I'm going to do it. I'm getting into this. So there's fundamentally two types of games, right? You have infinite and finite games. The reason that we struggle is because we try to make finite games into infinite games. So infinite games are games where you have known and unknown players. You have rules that can change and you have, there is no agreed upon outcome. The objective of the game is to keep the game going. In finite games, you have known players only agreed upon rules and a set objective baseball, right? Where it gets interesting is where you have an infinite player against a finite player. 
If you have two infinite players, the system's stable. If you have two finite players, the system is stable. When you have an infinite and finite player, the infinite player will win because they're playing a different game. So if you look at Vietnam, for example, because this can apply to everything. It can apply to marriage, it can apply to life, it can apply to fitness, it can apply to war, right? We, America, lost 58,000 Americans going to Vietnam, right? The Vietnamese lost 3 million. By percentage of the population, that would be like America losing 27 million people in the war. We won the vast majority of the battles, and yet we lost the war. How? Because we were playing a finite game of trying to win, and the Vietnamese were trying to play the infinite game of trying to survive. And if your game is infinite, then the objective of the game is to stay, stay alive, is to continue to play. And so the only reason and what keeps players in an infinite game is the will to keep playing and resources. That's it. That's what keeps you in the infinite game. And so if you think about so many times we as humans want to apply a finite construct onto what is an infinite game, business is an infinite game. You don't win business. If you look at the entire game of business, business has been around since before Jesus, right? And it will be long. And the companies that existed then don't exist today. And the companies that exist now in a thousand years won't exist, right? Because the game of business is infinite because new players will come in and out at all times. But the point of the game is to keep playing. And so we as entrepreneurs get into this trap of trying to win something that can't be won. Yeah. It can only be played, right? And so we can apply that construct to marriage. You can't win your marriage. The point of the marriage is to keep the marriage going, right? With fitness, we try and win and do the 12-week transformation. We try and look amazing. But the point of fitness is to stay fit. The point is to have the will and the resources to keep playing. And so I think that when we think about the contracts that we, that, we, that we put around ourselves in terms of what games we want to play, you can also release yourself from a lot of the anxiety by, by creating an infinite game for yourself and saying, I want, to, I want to do this thing that is actually impossible that I will never attain in my life. But by doing that, I free myself from the anxiety of not ever accomplishing it because you can't fail. The only fail is quitting. It's the desire to stop playing. And so you just have to pick a game that you have the desire to play, that you think you'll continue to have the desire to play, which is where the whole passion thing comes from, right? Um, but I think passion is fleeting, right? I think more like, what is something that will satisfy me? Um, because that is something that you'll be able to continue to have the will to play. Um, I don't, I'll, I'll stop there. I don't want to get too heady, but that's, that's kind of the, the stuff that I get into. It's great, man. You a Simon Sinek fan? Yeah, love it. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite person to follow right now on social media? Could be anything. Could be funny. Could be inspirational. Whatever. I follow mostly humor, so I follow mostly like stand-up comedians. Um, I'll t okay, this guy's very, very not kosher. Um, but Big J Okerson, I saw him live for Valentine's Day two years ago. And since then became like a super fan. And so his stuff is, in my opinion, hilarious. It's very crude. Um, but like when it, like I just, I pretty much only follow comedy. Um, I just want to feel good when I look at my newsfeed. I don't want to feel stressed. And so I think I follow like a hundred accounts, 80 of which are comedy. Yeah. 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 And me. Cause I'm super funny. Yes. And you <clears throat> just for the shirtless pics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad. Cause yeah, Simon Sinek is, was the first one that I heard talk about it. And then I just like, just fell in love with, I was just like, this is, this is it. Like, this is why. Yeah. yeah. So. No, he's a, he's a genius. What, what would, 
be three books that you would recommend to the audience or like maybe what are your three favorite books or maybe three of the most impactful books that you've read? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with one thing. I don't read a lot of books. I read a few books a lot of times. And I think it's interesting because you're a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I, I've seen your Instagram. So it's interesting because in the, within the religious context, people will read the same book over and over again because you see different things at different points in your life. Like the text speaks to you, right? And the same can be applied to great books. And so I think there's probably books that people in the audience have read and been like, man, that book was so good. In my opinion, you will get more from reading that book and knowing that book, reading it 10 times than you will from reading nine other books. That's just my opinion. Like if, if right now you can't cite the book and sit and like really, you, you know it, like it's, it's imprinted on your flesh then I don't think you've really read, like you read it just to say that you checked a box off rather than like, I've absorbed this knowledge. That's really good. So, and so for me, I'm a big, big, big fan of reading books multiple, multiple times. And so um, it's really depends on where people are in their life. But I think that uh, Expert Secrets and Dotcom Secrets by Russell Brunson are two phenomenal books. Um, I literally have them on my desk at all times because I reference them constantly. I've read his first edition five times or the second edition eight times. Um, of the same book, uh, because I really want to be able to breathe the stuff that he talks about in terms of telling stories and how to, how to captivate an audience, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that's really, really good. Um, for sales, I really like uh, Jordan Belfort's The Way of the Wolf. Um, I think that that would be my, my third book if I only had three books to give someone, if, they, if the goal was to make more money, um, which is usually the audience that I'm you, you get to choose the books, man. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. And we don't need to get off on this tangent, but one thing, it's like a pet peeve of mine, you know, cause I'm in business and I'll be talking to maybe a young person men- mentoring this person. And they're like, Oh, I'm just trying to do it. And I'm like, dude, you know what? Um, good to great would be a fantastic okay. book for you to read. And they're like, Oh, I've read that. And you're like, you don't act like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you just read that, you wouldn't need me, you know? Like, um, so it's like, what did you do with all the information? So I 100% agree. I read How to Win Friends and Influence People as a kid. Changed my life. I read it. I read it every year. Like, you really? Did it yeah. change my life? Changed my life, that book. There. 100%. And of course, the Bible, I'm constantly in there because I'm like, I need to. Do you have an affiliate link? <laughs> okay. I was like, what is that? <laughs> oh, so <laughs> you caught me off guard there, bro. Um, so best purchase in under a hundred dollars that you've made recently, man, it would have to be books. It would have to be books. So the best book that I've read recently, um, is this book, but most people won't like it. So I'm just telling everybody, but it's called the last word on power by uh, Tracy Goss. Uh, most people will not enjoy it. Uh, and like the dedication at the very beginning of the book kind of says this. And so I will, uh, I'll read it or I'll try to read it in two seconds to do. do. Um, all right. Well, I'll just, I'll tell you what it is. She says, this is not for people who are trying to become successful. This is for people who have already won at their game of success and are looking for so much more. And so it's really targeted for people who've already achieved a certain level of success and feel like they are stuck. For me, this book spoke to me because that's kind of the season I'm in right now. Um, but I've given it to some people and they're like, I don't really, this yes. doesn't really apply to me. But if you are in a place where you realize you have to kind of reinvent who you are, which is why I love entrepreneurship so much, is that I think it's the, it's the single greatest vehicle for self-improvement because it gives you objective feedback of whether or not you're growing. 
Um, and you constantly, what's interesting is that at least for me in the entrepreneurial journey is that it's a, it's a story of taking absolute control and then systematically letting go. And you have to take 100% control when you start something and then step-by-step relinquish control of each, each of these components. Right. And and at every step you have to learn more about yourself and more about others. Right. You have to be a different person to attract a C-level executive from a fortune 500 to work for your company. Right. You have to be a different person than it does say to say to attract a front desk person. Right. And so at each level you have to be different. So it's rather than doing different actions, it's about what is the, what is the operating system on, on which I'm, I'm existing. And then the actions flow naturally from that rather than, and I think it's much easier to change your identity than it is to change your habits because your actions and habits will flow from what you believe about yourself. I'm this type of person and therefore. That's good stuff, man. I feel like we could have a whole different episode on that alone. This is business and leadership. That's kind of self-development. So I don't know if that really fits in the purview. You know, the-, <laughs> the, the reason why I named the podcast business and leadership is because self-development can be applied to business and leadership. <laughs> you know, it's this all encompassing uh, show where I get to talk with people that I'm fascinated with, man. Um, have you ever read as a man thinketh? No, but I've heard really good things. Yeah, I really, it's like, you could read it tonight. Um, well then I'm now I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not a big commitment. Um, if you could put anything on a big billboard, I got this from Tim Ferriss. If you ever listened to him, um, billboard in the, on the biggest intersection you can think of, what would it say? Do that thing you're afraid of doing. I love it. Alex, man, I, I really appreciate you jumping on that. The show today Um, I don't think I've taken this many notes honestly before, and I'm not just saying that, um, (laughs) but I've really valued our time. I think that we've, this has been one of the most stimulating conversations in business that I've had in a a while, um, condensed into one hour, you know, so I think this is going to bring a lot of value to everybody. Um, Alex, your website is jimlaunchthinkrets.com. You should just go, honestly, it'd be easier for people to just go to Alex's podcast. Like if you like podcasts, check out Alex's podcast. If you like, I mean, I just talk about it's mostly business stuff it's just okay. cool itunes spotify all that stuff it's just itunes because you know i'm not i'm not an influencer that's okay <laughs> and I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes on my on my podcast they can check you out there um, yeah. once again man thanks for being on the show and uh everybody i'm sure that they're going to enjoy all this content and uh i'll talk to you soon all right thanks for having me appreciate it honored for everybody absolutely